I am Brother Cornell West. This is Chris Hedges. I'm Rosa Clemente. Hey, what's up? This is Chuck D, Public Enemy Prophets of Rage. And this is News Beat. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Check one, two, in the place to be. Once again, this week in social justice, live and direct, streaming live Fridays, 1 p.m. on your favorite YouTube channel in the world, the U.S. News Beat uh, YouTube channel, also on Facebook. And this week, Twitch. We've added Twitch to our repertoire. You can find us on Twitch TV slash US Newsbeat. You might be listening on the podcast as well. We take these Friday episodes that are done live and we uh, repackage them, repurpose them, as it were, for uh, the podcast feed. Newsbeat. Two words. One love. As we're here doing this week in social justice, it is I, Manny Faces, your host and producer and conductor of this wild train. And joining me, as always, my good friends and comrades, the editor-in-chief of Newsbeat, Christopher Tawarski, and the managing editor of Newsbeat, Rashed Mian. Gentlemen, start your e-engines. What's up, Manny? Hi. What's up, Beard? What's going on? Beard. <laughs> Rashed. What do you mean? You're looking old woolly. What do you mean? Better make sure that- has been here for- it's been here since the quarantine. You haven't seen me. I don't know. You got a new camera or something, man. You're looking. Uh, it looks full. Looks... You better make sure that hair dye doesn't drip down your face in the middle of this uh, this show, my friend. <laughs> uh, so, my friends, we are here again uh, this week in social justice. So, all comment uh, to all commenters, we see you uh, and we love you. And during the show, we will uh, ask you some questions and have you uh, interact with us. So, please do not be afraid. Do not be shy. Enter your comments in the comment s- uh, section of whatever it is you're. Uh, uh, watching us on, and and actually, it's nice to know that you're paying attention. So that's great. I appreciate that a lot. Um, please uh, do that, and then of course, uh, we will be asking you a question of the day. Let's start with that. Yeah. So part of what we do is we ask you to interact with the question. This is something that's in the news. I mean, it's a very nuanced uh, issue. It has to do with it has social justice undertones, uh, and it's uh, it, it may be a yes or no question to you, uh, but there may be a yes but. So please uh, put your yes buts uh, in the comments section. Let us know what you think. Should the Biden administration cancel all student debt? Now, it's been talked about. uh, You know, it's a thing. It may be a thing. What are your thoughts? Leave them in the comments section. Uh, We'll return to this a few times during the show. And once again, we'll share your comments. I do believe we actually, I I wanted to highlight it, and I didn't get a chance in time uh, because we also got a comment on YouTube uh, on our uh, last week's episode, where we talked to Marcus Farrell, who was the uh, former deputy campaign manager for Stacey Abrams, right? Big dog and 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 uh, and crew down there in uh, in Atlanta uh, who helped flip the state blue. And we had him on mere moments after actually Georgia was called for Joe Biden. Uh, and the, uh, the the name of the episode or that segment was, you know why Georgia turned blue. And one of the commenters yelled at us and said, because it was rigged. <laughs> Because it was rigged. That's how. That's so how. That's, even I, though it was just certified by Georgia. It's all good. Once you get troll comments, yeah. you know you're on your way. So shouts to you, troll. We appreciate you. I mean, the press uh, co- the press conference at the Four Seasons that week sort of cleared things up, though, I thought. So. Uh, you know, it, it, they, they make a compelling case. I think it resolved case. everything. They make a compelling case. Uh, so once again, we are a podcast uh, dressed up as a live stream. Uh, so please understand that we uh, are uh, we encourage you to listen to Newsbeat, the podcast. Uh, it's an award-winning podcast. It merges social justice journalism with, uh, uh, I mean, high-level journalism, interviews with activists, experts, uh, people on the field, people on the ground, people being affected by a lot of these issues. Uh, we mix and merge and meld and mold that uh, together with music. Uh, very often, it's the beat in Newsbeat, uh, and uh, we often, although more so pre-COVID, would invite independent hip hop artists to construct original verses that would complement the issue. So it's sort of like we like to say it's like Democracy Now and Black Thought had a podcast, baby. Uh, so if you're watching on the live stream and that sounds intriguing, we're gonna actually play some clips uh, from the show during the sh- for the podcast during the show. Uh, so stay tuned for that. And if you already know us, if you're really listening on the podcast feed, swing on over to the live stream every Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern, which is what we're doing right now. We have some guests today. Um, we have one very uh, 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 incredible guest coming up very soon. Rashad, you want to tee that one up and I'll show the peoples? Yeah, sure. So uh, first one up today is uh, Feneba Addo. She's an associate professor of consumer science at the University of Wisconsin. And Feneba is going to be on to talk about 
um, uh, student loan debt in this country, as you and that's you know the question of the day. Do you uh, do you think the Biden administration should cancel all student loan debt? She's going to talk about that, but also the racial inequalities involved in, in student loan debt, and basically how this you know just the uh, just the piling on of this debt um, actually fuels racial inequality in this country. So that should be an interesting conversation. Oh, super dope. Mm-hmm. Very cool. After that, Chris, uh, we're, we may not, we're working to get a guest. We may not get a guest, but we have a great topic uh, that yeah. is going to be interesting after that. Yeah. And, and we're just playing around with, uh, you know, different Formats. Structures, yeah. stru- structures for the show. And, and we thought it would be good to maybe have a discussion, a couple minute discussion amongst ourselves. Today is uh, the United Nations uh, deems it a World Children's Day, and they released a pretty insightful analysis of how children are faring in the wake of COVID. And Got it. We thought it was it was uh, incredibly important, and we're gonna, you know, we're gonna talk uh, about that in depth uh, yeah. after in the second uh, you know s- segment or so. Uh, yeah. All right. Great. So. That being said, we have given you the question of the day, right? So please uh, make sure you uh, handle that. And now let's talk about uh, what we get into at the beginning of the show. Some very quick news beat bites. And the news beat bites are just small, uh, interesting pieces of uh, of news that have come up in the social justice world that you may not hear about uh, in mainstream media or, you know, because uh, you don't hear about a lot of these things in mainstream media, I guess, right? They're, they're preoccupied, yep. some other things uh, right now. So let's go and kick it off for Shed. You are first, sir. Let's go. <clears throat> sure. So I'm going to be that guy that does two, even though we're supposed to do one. Even you know, We have rigid <laughs> rules here. So I'm speaking social justice, but I'm going to break them today. Okay. So first up, um, this is an issue that I, I try to follow a lot, and it has to do with the number of women in jails in this country. It's something that I think is obscured when we talk about mass incarceration. Because uh, you know, you'll, a lot of the discussions is, is, is to talk about men in jails and jails in prison. Um, right. But over the course of the last thirty years, especially since the war on drugs mm-hmm. and the tough on crime era of politics in this country, the number of women in prisons and jails has soared exponentially. Um, you know, throughout the, especially the last thirty-five years, I think the number of women has risen twenty-five percent. Meanwhile, the number of men has went down thirty-three percent, which is obviously good. Um, you know, yeah, we're showing note, the chart from the uh, prison policy uh, site, by the way. Yeah, there you go. So you'll see in the 1990s. I mean, at one point in the 1970s, um, there was uh, just a few counties across America that had women in jails. And now it's about 75% of counties in America have women in jail. So that is just explosive growth. And a lot of the, the arrests have to do, if you take a look at the Vera Institute, they've done a they did a really helpful report on this, and a lot of the incarceration has to do with the war on drugs um, and some some minor crimes. And I think there's a, a, a tremendous stat that shows nearly 80% of the women in jails are mothers, which just tells you about the collateral consequences of locking up so many women. Right. And secondly, uh, this is now just forgive me because this is a story that just came on my radar today. And I'll forgive this you. Is from- yeah, appreciate it. <laughs> this is from the Tampa Bay Times, and I, I will throw it in the comment section so people could check it out. Yep. Um, but this is an unbelievable story. So the Tampa Bay Times did an investigation, and they found that the sheriff's department was using grades and abuse histories to label school children, quote, potential criminals. So like I said, I, I just got this. I'm going to read mm. briefly from the story. But it says the Pasco Sheriff's Office keeps a secret list of kids it thinks could fall into a life of crime based on wow. factors like whether they've been abused or got a, a D or an F in school. Uh, so that's according to the agency's internal intelligence manual. So mm. it's basically uh, you know, uh, police surveilling kids who are not criminals right right now, but who they're, I guess, projecting to potentially be criminals based on their grades and other factors that have to do with what's going on in their household. Um, and so I definitely encourage everybody to check out this investigation from the Tampa Bay Times. And we'll, like I said, we'll throw a link in the comment section for you. Yep, indeed, just did. Okay, wow, um, deep, uh, the scarlet yeah. letter of sorts. Uh, okay, uh, following that, my turn. I have something that's not so newsy, uh, but it's still newsworthy. I think um, I came across this uh, Instagram. This just today, I just came across it, so I don't. I didn't get too deep into it. Uh, there's an Instagram account called Data for Black Lives, uh, and what I noticed them, I'm not sure where I came across it, uh, but really fascinating because they every Wednesday are now going to be having. A, what they call crash course, as you can see on the screen, and I'm working two screens here, so bear with me. 
Uh, and what this is, is uh, every, we, every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern, they'll be teaching a new data or justice concept on their Twitter and on their IGTV. Uh, I always found it fascinating how important data is, or data, uh, depending on how you pronounce it or uh, what Star Trek uh, fan you are. Um, but uh, fascinating, the connection between data, numbers, and, and trends in, in social justice, all the things that we talk about, as we just talked about in your story. The numbers, uh, as the inimitable uh, uh, Sean Carter once said, uh, men lie, women lie, numbers don't. Uh, so I found it very fascinating that these uh, folks are putting together a uh, crash course in data for yeah. social justice. It may just be a starting off point for somebody, but it may be uh, inspiring uh, to somebody else. I, I thought it was fascinating. I don't I'm not I'm not so good at numbers. You know, uh, I don't do maths well, but uh, it's a very fascinating topic to me. And so I wanted to pass it along. Christopher. Yes, yeah, so the FBI released its annual hate crimes report this week. And surprise, surprise, um, you know. Eight motivated crimes were up, but uh, worse than that, uh, it was the highest level in more than a decade last year. And uh, hate motivated murders climbed to a record 51 deaths, including the 23 people who were killed uh, in the Walmart in El Paso last year. Um, hate crimes have been increasing in the U.S. almost every year since 2014. And, you know, these are actually underreported figures. Right. Um, so... You know, and the the uh, the most recent stats show that the majority of these crimes were committed by whites, and domestic right wing terror has been a growing threat um, on local law enforcement agencies' radar for years. Right. Yet it's always obviously disproportionately uh, Islamic extremism that are on the lips of government officials. Or, or Antifa, or you know. Right. Yeah. Right. And uh, you know, we I thought this would be good to to. Um, to play a clip of our previous episode um, we did back in 2017 on this um, misunderstanding terrorism, exposing racial Caucasian extremism. Yes. Uh, radical Caucasian extremism. Yeah. yeah. So uh, there isn't a topic that comes up now that we haven't been focused on for a few years now. Uh, and again, we are a podcast uh, masquerading as a live stream, uh, but a clip from the episode uh, radical Caucasian extremism which I thought I had here, and I do, uh, so that you understand that we make some stuff that is worthy of your time. Check out this clip uh, from our 2017 episode, Breaking It All Down. Let me give you an example of one of the most frightening extremists you've probably never heard of. If you look him up, Eric Charles Smith, a white supremacist in Pittsburgh who had built 20 improvised explosive devices, pipe bombs, and had them uh, in his home. Authorities only found out about it because he was abusive towards his uh, girlfriend. Uh, she called the police to get a restraining order. They came in and found all of these bombs lying around. And also uh, white supremacist literature suggesting, and a podium suggesting that this apartment uh, was the meeting place for a white supremacist organization. That's frightening. It was only local news in, in, in the Pittsburgh area and has since dropped out of sight. I suspect that 20 pipe bombs locked and loaded uh, would be much greater news if he had been Muslim. The hands of time couldn't untie these thoughts to intertwine in my mind as we rise, watching the ties collide. Affirmative action and class action suits will suit you fine. Instead of working on your own, getting a job like mine. Got the left wing commies conversing on their purposes. Women, Jews, gays, hijab wearers in their turbans. It's everybody you see, every category. America is inclusive to everybody but me. But what about me? I worked three jobs to get through college. Wasn't less fortunate, so couldn't get a scholarship. For straight white middle class, the world has a cool. Can't even smack a piece of ass with Without hearing me too Can a taxpaying man Have a beer and watch the Patriots Without somebody kneeling To my flag degrading it I've been stopped by the cops But all lives matter I'm alive cause I respect the law And treat them with manners You should learn it You deserve it You're so worthless So it's hurt Won't be treated second class To a first rate servant When election day comes I'm voting for Trump Push you back in your place Before you replace us Our counterterrorism efforts In the Shouts to Liquid uh, our artists and residents who uh, just what an I what a, it's like a like an ironic artwork. I, I, can't, I can't imagine. I can't figure how uh, how Liquid put that together. But uh, supremely talented, 
supremely talented. Our artist in residence, Liquid, appeared on that. Also, voices in that episode, as you can see on the screen, uh, Charles Kurzman, professor of sociology at UNC Chapel Hill, Mehdi Hassan uh, on that episode, and Sammy Rangel and Tony McAleer, who were former white supremacists uh, that uh, lead an organization to try and reform uh, and unradicalize. Life uh, after great. hate, I think it's called. Life after hate. So great episode. Shouts to Liquid. Uh, you no know, brilliant personification uh, of uh, of the issue, I think, or the mentality that drives a lot of this stuff. So that's that. That's where we're at. That was great. our news <laughs> beat bites. Now, as promised, we have a guest, and as promised. They're here. <laughs> it's always nice <laughs> when that happens. Uh, so right. if you uh, if you would, uh, Rashad, please help us. Welcome our guest. Hi, Hi Fanova. Thank, thanks for joining us. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Great. So, Fanova, uh, you know, I, I want to get right into it. Now, this is this is a study that uh, an issue that you've studied. Um, before. And so can you just talk to viewers about how student loan debt contributes to the racial wealth gap in this country? Sure. So yeah, like, as you said, I've been studying this for quite some time since I was in graduate school, studying the rise of student loan debt um, from before the Great Recession all the way through the Great Recession and continuing afterwards. And um, I've tied that work to the racial wealth gap and racial wealth inequality and really trying to unpack or um, show how um, historical legacies of racial wealth inequality have fed into uh, rising uh, racial debt disparities. So the accumulation of debt uh, in particular among black borrowers and how that debt disparity fits into the wealth gap for the, the young children, for the young adults, for those children. So it's both in the accumulation and the repayment piece. Um, and so in this work, we show that because um, students, black students and their families have lower wealth, they have, um, they can't pay for college, <laughs> obviously, or, um, or they have less resources to draw upon to help their, their, student, their students and their children to attend college and have to turn to uh, the credit markets in order to afford, um, uh, expensive, expensive educations. Um, and, and I really want to emphasize in this moment in which a college degree remains one of the strongest predictors of um, yeah. social mobility and economic and financial security. So they're not making an irrational choice, right, to, <laughs> to do this. Um, so I really want to emphasize that point um, that taking on this debt is a financial risk, but they're doing so because they're betting on um, the returns of the college degree and the college education. And, and Professor, recently there's been uh, more and more talk about uh, potential um, forgiving of, of student debt uh, by the Biden administration through an executive order. And I'm just wondering, uh, you know, your thoughts on that and, and uh, potential impacts, especially maybe if it's potentially uh, modeled after uh, Senator Warren's proposal. Yeah, so the difference is there. So I'll say, I'll start off by answering your first question, which is uh, I am support of debt cancellation. Um, I think uh, these, fam these students and their families were preyed upon and um, we can do better. <laughs> um, and I think um, the difference in the Biden versus the Warren plan is just how much are they looking at to cancel for students and their, their families. The Biden plan is a little bit more conservative. It's about $10,000, or that's what he's expressed, whereas the Warren plan is saying that we need about 50000 And she's made the argument or made the case that we, um, if, we're, if we look at the facts and figures with regard to wealth inequality within our society and who has the disproportionate burden of student loan debt, a larger amount will help to close that wealth gap. Um, so that's the, that's the difference in, in those two plans. But I think um, that yes, we're gonna yes, yes, a larger amount would help black borrowers. But um, you know, I think even the lower amounts will help a majority of people who are struggling because we, if you look at how the distribution of debt, most borrowers have about. Um, let me say a, a concentration of the borrowers have less than ten thousand dollars amount amount of debt. So, yeah. Uh, Great. Did that, did that answer yeah, your so, question? Uh, <laughs> like I'm yeah. making sure I'm covering yeah, all the definitely. bases. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. yeah, definitely. 
and and just uh, on the note of the racial wealth gap, um, so we've also seen studies that show that Black Americans with college college degrees ultimately earn less than their white counterparts with high school degrees. So can you talk about the impact this has on Black Americans satisfying satisfying their student debt obligations, and then obviously becoming you know successful financially? Yeah. So. Um... <laughs> You know, this is this is the crux of like racial stratification within our society. I will say that I think um, the the stat or that the the study that you're referencing is actually with regard to wealth. So black college graduates tend to have less median net wealth than um, white high school um, whites who have not finished their high school have less than a high school degree. Um, what this means is that you know th that there are other how you want to say frictions <laughs> that feed into uh, black uh, students and black college graduates' ability to accumulate wealth within our society. And if we're, looking, if we're looking explicitly at like the labor market, we still know that there's existence of discrimination um, within, you know, wage discrimination that um, is directly impacting their ability if they have a lot of debt to pay back those debts as fast. So in some of the research that we've done, we find that the debt gap actually increases across the young adult um, period. And this is largely because white borrowers are able to pay back their loans faster. Um, and especially in those like critical periods in, in the early in the early years when a lot of black borrowers are defaulting on their loans. Um, so this has, you know, real implications because presumably this is when these young adults are transitioning from, from, from school into the labor market. And if they have difficulty finding jobs that can pay them a fair wage or a comparable wage or that has wage growth, um, then they're going to struggle to pay back those loans. And we know those loans are very hard to discharge in bankruptcy. Right now, it's almost impossible to discharge, so dis, excuse me, discharge those loans. Um, and so this accumulate, it becomes this, you know, this weight that, that, is, um, that they carry with them throughout, you know, throughout their adulthood, not just you know, a 10-year period, yeah. it becomes 15, it becomes 20, it's 25, and that's where, where we are now. That's what we're seeing. Right. I and, and Fenaba, we just have about two minutes left. So I, I have one last question for you. And I think uh, what we, we often lose perspective here in context. Can you just give uh, viewers just a really brief history of just the sort of the genesis of student loans in this country, how it was part of this idea that education, public edu education is a public good. And it, I don't, it was never meant to make the government profit right off of um, the backs of Americans going to, going to college, right? Right, um, you know, and increase access to people, <laughs> or increase access to uh, a larger uh, population, a demographic of people. Um, but what we've really seen is a shift in the populations who are going to college um, as um, uh, during the. Should I should say? Let me go back. Uh, a shift in the population, so more people are gaining access to higher education at a time in which the costs are being shifted. To, into the students and their families, right? So if you go back to like yeah. the early origins of it, yes, you know, you hear those stories about, I went to school and it was only, you know, $2,000 and I worked after and I paid right. it off quickly, right? Um, that's because a lot of those fees were being subsidized by the federal and state and local governments, right? So you didn't bear the burden of those costs. But what has happened over time is that higher ed has become, you know, um, the budget item that gets cut when states have to readjust their budgets. And so um, in order to keep, you know, accepting families, excuse me, accepting students, um, they, um, and, and because of this loan program, they have shifted the, the cost <laughs> or the, the yeah. share of the cost onto students and their families. Um, and so at a time in which more, it, it, as I said, like when I started, um, more, it, it's become increasingly more crucial to have a college degree. Great. Well, Fenaba, you know, we really appreciate you coming on and giving us your insights. Obviously, this is an important topic in a moment of time where we're in another recession and um, it's going to be tough out there. So we really appreciate you uh, joining us for this discussion. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Fenaba, before you go, uh, mm -hmm. you might have heard on, as we were bringing you in uh, the fact that we blend art and hip hop, especially yeah. with social justice. I love shouts, it. <laughs> shouts to somebody at the University of Wisconsin, uh, the hip hop and the heartland. Oh, uh, okay. Folks, yeah, there's some folks at, at, in the college system out by you that do a lot uh, of integrating hip hop with education. So yes. just wanted to shout out your colleagues. Over Wonderful. There. Thank you. Thank you for that. Absolutely. Thank you for your time. Yes, Appreciate you. Take, Take care. care. Take care. All right, gentlemen. Yeah, it's good. Always good to add some context to these discussions because I don't think a lot of people are here. These things that you know, you see these things cancel student debt, and everybody's like, right. "Well, that's not fair." Yeah, of course. <laughs> well, right, right, exactly. Hey, listen, I got yeah. some debt, but uh, it's a nuanced issue. Yeah, uh, definitely. Some people have answered. Sage says yes, please. 
<laughs> cancel the debt. Yes, I please. That's, <laughs> I think that would be the overwhelming uh, majority of. Uh, and uh, shouts to Michael Doggett. Hey, uh, another hip hop, uh, uh, an educator who blends hip hop into his classroom. Uh, we have uh, a nice conversation coming up on my other podcast, Hip Hop to Save America. Stay tuned for that. Uh, Michael Doggett says, yes, but something needs to be done about the system as a whole. Free, pub uh, free public colleges should be a goal. I, I would, I would, I would agree to that as well. Imagine. It's deeper than just the, the student loan. Indeed. Um, Indeed. Well, shouts to uh, for joining us, uh, giving us some context. Again, like you said, it's always better to learn about these things uh, from your friendly neighborhood newsbeat folk uh, who go into these topics uh, when other places, you got to dig for some of this stuff. We do the digging yeah, and we, uh, we put the dirt on your plate. I got to work on my analogies. Okay, so look. Yeah, this is the yeah. second straight week where you've had an analogy just, just go down. I am the king of bad analogies. How about that? <laughs> uh, so yes. Um, so again, question of the day. Please leave your comments, your responses in the comments section. We would love to have you uh, uh, contribute to the to the to the show. Uh, it's like a game. Uh, don't forget, we are uh, a podcast, and we uh, expect that you would listen to our podcast. Uh, Newsbeat, wherever you find podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, Stitcher, uh, anywhere, really. Newsbeat, two words. You see the logo, a social justice podcast that merges uh, high-level social justice journalism about the topics that you hear us talking about here uh, with music and very often original contributions from brilliant independent hip-hop artists. Shouts to Liquid. Shouts to also... Uh, Mr. Silent Knight, our other artist uh, in residence who checked in on the check-in. Uh, so peace and love to our artist friends uh, that we're trying to work back into the mix as the coronavirus keeps us apart, sadly. Uh, but yeah. we will be back. Matter of fact, we do have an episode coming up that brings back an artist and is a really dope collaboration with a really big organization. So you should set your alerts. Spotify your finally alerts. lets you... Get an alert when you get a podcast. Still doesn't work for me. Still doesn't work for me. Still doesn't work for me. With that said, uh, shouts to our uh, our sponsor, our parent family, uh, Mori Creative Studios, a New York-based HubSpot Diamond Solutions partner. Uh, that means, for people who don't know, a digital marketing agency that helps you with uh, sales enablement and setting up your marketing and doing your website and doing your blogging and uh, doing all the things that uh, make your uh, – Medium to large size business go from good to great uh, and do it while growing for good. You see that the uh, uh, idea behind the company is to not only profit, but profit by possibly giving back to the world. Isn't that a nice concept? What a novel idea. We need that more than ever now. So shouts to that, morecreative.com. Swing on over to them if you have a company uh, that uh, fits that bill. Uh, and of course, you can listen for an, uh, kind of an idea of the vibe. Uh, go to Grow for Good podcast, uh, CEO of Mori Creative Studios, Jed Mori. Uh, has a fantastic first season of Grow for Good, uh, which interviews uh, CEOs and other business leaders that do well by doing good. Those are our, it's our parent company, but yeah, you know, it's our parent family. We've been rocking with them for a long time. So shouts to them. Uh, tee up the episode. Again, as a podcast, and this, this leads into their next conversation. Uh, we'll explain why we may or may not have a guest, uh, but the conversation is no less important. Uh, it has to do with uh, childhood uh, mortality rates, COVID-19, coronavirus, poverty, all these things coming together. And again, as a podcast, there's nothing that's happening today in the social justice landscape that we haven't touched or delved into at some point. And with that, uh, please tee up our episode spotlight of the week. I'm finding a... Yeah, this is yeah. uh you want Chris, you want to take this one? Yeah, yeah. And 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 Manny, as you mentioned, I mean, um representatives from UNICEF and Save the Children both have links uh to join us. They were trying to work something out. Um they may during our discussion here or may not. Um but regardless, we felt it was important. Today is World Children's Day. Um that the United Nations uh designated to shine a spotlight and, and highlight issues affecting children across the globe, not just in, in the United States. And we felt, you know, a very underreported aspect of COVID has been its effect on children. And especially here, you know, I mean, if you were listen, if you listen to the president or, or you read any of his tweets, you know, throughout the past couple of months, 
he'll say, you know, COVID doesn't affect children. It only affects the elderly. Only the people with pre-existing conditions are really the ones at risk, which may be true um, in terms of, uh, you know, yes, if someone, uh, an elderly person has uh, underlying conditions and they get COVID, they're more likely to pass away. Right. But groups like Save the Children, groups like UNICEF have done enormous research into it. And, you know, when we were, when we were looking into this, just some stats were just absolutely, you know, just mind-blowing, just devastating. And we felt we need to highlight some of this stuff. So yep. um, in commemoration of World Children's Day, UNICEF put out a report. It's called Averting a Lost COVID Generation. And it uh, suggests, uh, you know, a six-point plan to respond to this. And, you know, some of the findings of this report, mm. you know, are that, as of this month, 11% of COVID infections are children and adolescents mm. under 20. Obviously, that's not you know something you hear uh, a lot about. 11%—that's right. a lot of that's a lot of kids. Right. Um, you know, right. and while and while children may not be you know the you know sort of the face of the virus, you know, a lot of the sort of collateral damage falls on them, right? Because you have uh, because of COVID, you have increasing uh, uh, families who are being pushed into poverty uh, right. globally and here in the United States. Um, you have, um, obviously, with the, the lockdowns with education, you have children who are being deprived of that. You have increased violence, um, unfortunately, when everyone's sort of stuck at home and, and, and not in school. Um, so there's a lot of hidden, a lot of hidden tolls. Interesting on children yeah and um you know just some, I, I again, the, some of these figures it's yeah, i think that, you know the more i talked in in, in the past couple of days to, to just co-workers and people i know about some of these these numbers i came across i think the more i realized that yes you know i think we all sort of know that children are dying you know every day uh, in this world um but i think if, whether it's a defense mechanism or, you know, there's just too much stuff going on right now to really concentrate on. I think it's important, at least, you know, uh, you know, on a day like today to just look at these numbers and, and, and recognize, because if I think if you just sort of walk around and, 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 you know, with that acknowledgement, yes, children, children are dying. Okay. Um, let me just continue. And you don't, you know, if everyone were to do that, how would that ever change? I got. I don't even know that people are going that far. I, I don't think that people are thinking. Yes, children died. Okay, but tying it into the coronavirus pandemic, you know, because we get this thing where it's a children brush off. It brushes them off. They recover, and it's all good. They, they the concern is don't pass it to grandma, right? But this bigger picture, which which was news to me when you first brought this up, was that right? But if the coronavirus pandemic causes families to, like you say, fall into poverty, uh, become evicted. Uh, January is going to be a whole another slew of evictions. It's it's a big thing to be talking about. That leads to uh, bad health care. That leads to bad nutrition and food, and that could yeah, affect the lot. Yeah. Right, exactly. So it's more than just they're not going to get sick and die, but they could become sick and die as a as sort of as a ancillary result of this uh, collateral damage, if you will. Yeah. yeah. And I think that, you know, it's our responsibility, you know, as a side, as a society, you know, overall, I mean, let alone just the social justice podcast, but, you know, to look this stuff in the eye, you know, mm -hmm. and, you know, as I said, there are, there are, uh, you know, bright spots, if you will. Um, the, the mortality, the child mortality rate globally has dropped um, for the past five years in a row. I think 2019, um, they were, they were on track to, you know, uh, I mean, the largest percentage drop. Um, but now COVID is sort of reversing that. Mm. Um, and, you know, the number for me that, that I think really, I just couldn't ignore it. And, and, you know, I talked to you guys and, you know, again, with, with, it, with it being this uh, commemoration day, you know, 5.2 million children under the age of five died last year. Like, I just tried to like step away and just try to, you know, absorb that. Right, you know, right. 5.2 yeah, yeah. million that that was prior to covid mm. you know and 
And so, uh, Manny, if you want to show that third link um, there, um, you know, so so here it is. You know, another six thousand children under the age of five could die today specifically because of COVID. Mm. You know, um, and mm. and again, by acknowledging these things, by researching these things, by even knowing these facts, knowing these groups, um, it helps to it helps overall. You know, it helps it helps to bring down these numbers overall. Right. Um, and again, it was it was on a downward on a downward trend. Um, so, I just thought we'd talk a little bit about this report and, and go through this report and you know yeah. some of the hidden impacts. Obviously, as as I mentioned, so. Um, rising violence, increased poverty, mm-hmm. uh, mental health issues, which, you know, gets mentioned here and there, but, you know, children obviously are at their most uh, developmental stages and, right. um, you know, they're not getting that help. And, and and now you have this, this isolation tossed in, you have, you know, being separated from, um, you know, their friends and, their, and, you know, students in school, it exacerbates these things. Um, you know, the, the loss of future employment, um, you know, and, and again, we have COVID related long-term, uh, morbidity, uh, yeah. you know, I'm due- looking at, I'm looking at the- uh, obviously hmm, that's weird. School yeah. Yeah, uh, it's a system. It's not me. Uh, But, uh, you know, school lunches are see what happens when we try to talk about the truth. They try to shut us down. Uh, (laughs) School (laughs) school lunches, uh, you know, school meals being a reliable source of daily nutrition. Uh, This this is interesting. Uh, As of April 14, over 117 million children in 37 countries may miss out on their measles vaccination uh, as pandemic causes immunization campaigns to stop to reduce the risk of spreading the virus. So you got campaigns to, you know, immunize, immunize, you know, the word uh, children in, in a bunch of countries, not necessarily the United States, but maybe throughout the world, but maybe even here in the United States. And those programs are being kind of pushed aside yeah. because they don't want people to congregate or, or whatever the case may be. And now they may be susceptible to those diseases. It's all these little side things that could happen. These, this chain of events. Yeah. Yeah, I think this also shines a light on some of the things that we've talked about, you know, from a social justice perspective, but also on on past episodes where it just shines a light on sort of the institutions inside this country, whether it's healthcare, whether it's a social safety net that that allows people to get back on their feet and then thrive. Um, You know, we we. We had a poverty episode where the the head investigator of the from the United Nations came to America and described the conditions in some cities and states as that of a third world third world country, uh, right. and this is the wealthiest nation in the globe. So I know this yeah. is uh, what Chris is talking about; it's a global issue, uh, but especially here in America, I think there should be ways in which we can tackle some of these uh, crises. You know, especially when we you know we talk about you know people. Uh, you know, they, they talk about pro-life in a way where it's just both focus on one particular issue, but we should, you know, when we, when we talk about that, we should, you know, uh, realize that th- there's a lot of things that go into a person's life and we need to, you know, resolve some of these so, so they don't fall into these deep, deep holes. Yeah. 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 And, 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 uh, on that note, on that, in that issue, you know, in the most recent stats, uh, state that one in six children live in poverty in America. Mm. That's, that's mm. here. Nearly yeah. 11 point, 11, nearly 12 million children live in poverty in the United States. We're already amid a child poverty crisis in the United States, you know, right. and then, you know, also the United States, you know, for all its wealth and all its power, um, you know, ranks among, uh, you know, the, the worst in um, infant mortality, uh, maternal mortality. Mm-hmm. It's, and all of these issues are disproportionately affecting, um, you know, black and brown communities, um, nearly another stat here, nearly one. Th- so nearly 38.1 million people overall live in poverty within the United States. Yeah. And I just talking about the collateral issues that emerge from this, especially with the coronavirus, you know, you think about all the kids who are getting, not getting a full education because they can't be in schools and how that's impacting them. And obviously what we saw from the beginning of the quarantines across the country is just the disparate impact on kids who don't have access to technology or the internet and how they're basically, once that happens, they're getting no education or they're getting minimal uh, learning, um, if that. 
So yep. I think I think this is what Chris is saying is it's so important because it just it just all falls, <clears throat> it just all you know hovers down, and then you can see all the issues just emerging out of this one big <laughs> problem. Yeah, and, and and Manny, if you want to just show the um, the other group I mentioned was uh, Save the Children. I think it's the fourth link. Yep, there um, they put out um, a, a huge report as well, highlighting this um, protecting a generation. And, you know, again, just, um, just, just, just knowing that this, this crisis is out there, it's on the, you know, it's, 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 uh, it's fatal. Um, it's tragic. Um, you know, poverty is a social injustice, you know, a child, you know, 5.6 million or whatever children under the age of five dying in 2020, you know, is a social injustice, you know, and obviously there are, there are, myriad other social injustices that culminate in a figure like that. Right. Um, but, you know, learning, learning about it, going to these groups, reading some of these reports. Yeah. You don't have to dig too deep. I mean, these reports are available uh, They're you know, for, cons- for public consumption there, you know, there's like, you know, real deep uh, analysis, but there, you know, some of this stuff is very accessible, very easy to read about. And as we always talk about, or like to talk about, certainly on a podcast, is ways that people can uh, help. Uh, and the way that you could actually help is, you know, pay attention to some of these organizations that are doing the work. Uh, decide if whether you want to be involved or, you know, support, you know, either financially or whatever the case may be. Uh, very often, uh, these organizations will have obviously ways that you can uh, contribute. Plus, the the episodes that we put that we put out on these topics very often have. Uh, the voices, the, our guests are always uh, from organizations that are doing kind of the work, sometimes on a local level, sometimes on a national or international level as well. Yeah, I think it's actually a perfect time if, if you have it, <clears throat> Manny, if you could show the, the the preview of the episode when epidemics collide, mm. uh, because I think that speaks to a lot of what we just talked about, how the coronavirus has you know um, exposed deep inequities in our society. Right, absolutely. Uh, I have that uh, that right here. As a matter of fact, let's check this out. This came out in the middle of the pandemic. We were covering this uh, this issue, and again, you're right. It's it's the uh, the perfect storm, if you will, of uh, of terribleness. Yeah. What we're seeing with this coronavirus is that it's tearing off the blinds of the inequality that was at the center and core of our society. The 140 million people who are poor or one $400 emergency away from poverty. The 15 million families who can't afford in water. hundreds of cities and towns and states across the country. The 10 million to 12 million to a lot more million people who are homeless, despite the fact that there's actually more abandoned housing in this country than homeless people. Tonight, they're the images alarming Californians. In L.A., the homeless on places like the Hollywood Walk of Fame and along the iconic Venice Boardwalk. Any and everywhere you go, in and out of stores, homeless, homeless, homeless. What was once largely confined to the city's notorious Skid Row can now be seen all across Los Angeles. Hundreds of homeless encampments have sprung up, including this one in the shadow of City Hall. The tens of millions of people without health care at all, and then the tens of millions more people on top of that who do have health care, but who, who can't afford the coverage that they have. The lack of living wages, the 60... There you go. When epidemics collide, coronavirus, criminal justice, and poverty. Uh, an artist-less episode, but no less artistic. Ah, uh, you check that out in yeah. all of our full podcast episodes uh, at newsbeat, usnewsbeat.com slash subscribe to sign up to your podcast. Uh, what it does is it makes the issues, I don't want to say bearable, it doesn't make them bearable at all, but it makes them a little bit more listenable and uh, uh, understandable. Our great voices, Liz Theo Harris on that, Reverend Liz Theo Harris from the Poor People's Campaign. Uh, again, great guests, great insights. I don't know about these issues with the depth that I learn about them putting these episodes together. Uh, and in 20 or 30 minutes, you know, I used to say, you give us 20 minutes, we'll give you the world. Shouts to 10, 10 wins. Uh, and you, know, you give us 30 minutes and we'll, we'll break it down 
uh, these issues and really give you some good insight that you you won't find on your cable news network nine times out of ten. Yeah, Manny, if if I may, you mentioned something a couple minutes ago about evictions and what's going to happen in January when these moratoriums come to an end in some states. And uh, in that episode, we talked to um, somebody from a group called Eviction Lab, where they previously they've tracked evictions throughout the country, but then obviously that became all the more important during the coronavirus pandemic. And yeah, that's uh, Aliza Durana who, who works for uh, Eviction Lab. So I encourage everybody in, as we prepare for these just tragic, tragic potential evictions, and you're talking about thousands in this country, yeah. um, potentially as, uh, you know, as we go into 2021, check out Eviction Lab and see what they're doing. Cause it's going to put it all into perspective. All right, shouts to Eviction Lab, uh, Eviction Lab dot something, I'm sure. Uh, Things yeah. work. Uh, let's do it live. We'll do it live. The evictionlab.org. There it is. Yeah. Uh, so, shouts to that organization. Yeah, maps and data, just tracking everything uh, from the start of the pandemic. So, look helpful. at that. Look what we tell you guys about. Look what we do. We hand deliver. We cure. Don't you love a curated show that just tells you all, that just pulls all the things and delivers it to you? In a beautiful package. That's what we're here to do this week in social justice. So, with that said, um, is that the end of that topic? Yeah, I think you know, and, and just in terms of solutions, uh, as you mentioned, you know, go to go to uni, go to UNICEF. Is that Tino? That is Tino. Go to UNICEF. He has something. To- go to Save the Children. Tino, go, Tino, go to the comments section. Tino, put your comments in the comments section. You don't just interrupt the hosts. Please continue, Chris. Yeah, I mean that's you know just just learn more about this and and you know there's there's all different uh, more information on there and, and how to how to support um, you know the entire uh, all these causes and and also locally get involved. That's it. And if you can't do it financially, and uh, uh, something that we said today maybe moves you. Uh, certainly, the certainly the children's uh, uh, you know issue at large, uh, evictions, uh, student debt. There's places to go to volunteer your time. To you know, volunteer your skill sets, even, perhaps. Even just spreading the word. I mean, even and just even spreading the word does. I was gonna say, share this, share this video, and say, hey, these guys are talking some stuff, man. I need to spread the word about this and let my people know about these issues because we don't hear this being talked about in this kind of way. So, if you appreciate what we're doing, uh, we, uh, especially you, guy or girl or non-binary gender, who suggested that the Georgia election was rigged and trolled us on our YouTube account comment, thank you. Uh, we'll take you too. Um, you can spread this and say, I hate these guys, but, but share it. Yeah. And, uh, that's how you got to do, uh, once again, the question is, should the Biden administration, uh, <laughs> Sage <laughs> commenting, uh, and one fabulous, uh, uh, insightful comment from Twitch. Hey, 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 hi to you. Hey, great. Great. When the bots come, you know, you're blowing up guys. So, <laughs> That all being said, uh, let's uh, talk. Let's move on real quick. We're coming to the end. Uh, and that means it is time for us to, we like to say, news beat the past. Uh, but the swishy thing says this week, but back then. Yeah. So- uh, yeah. What are we talking about? What happened this week, but back then? So two things. Uh, November 23rd, 1917, the U.S. Supreme Court struck down a Louisville, Kentucky ordinance requiring black and white Americans to live in separate residential areas. One hundred um, years ago. Yep. Yeah. And yesterday was the 157th anniversary of President Abraham Lincoln's delivery of the Gettysburg Address. This guy. Um, and Manny, I think you know a little bit something about the, uh, the Gettysburg Address, don't you? I, I do. Um, just real quick, uh, I, I want to. We shouted Silent Night out before. He's our artist in residence. We'd love to bring together the worlds of of music, art, and social justice journalism. Uh, and of course, uh, because Silent Night is a member of the band called Fuse, uh, which has performed on two of our uh, extended episodes, uh, including our award winning Why We Riot episode. Uh, the band called Fuse, for many many years in New York City, ran a uh, uh, an artist. Uh, 
showcase series. It was called The Lineup. It went on for 10 years. What was great about them is that they're in the spirit of community and the spirit of artistry. They brought artists together, communities together. There was a ukulele player. There was a violinist. You would see rappers. You would see singers. You would see dancers, beatboxers, all in this show. It didn't matter. Like You can come and you'd find this great blend of music and talent and community, all with the political activist undertone always flowing through. Uh, they recently celebrated 10 years of The Lineup Showcase. Uh, and there was a tribute that was delivered. Uh, uh, and this is CNN Breaking News. Good evening, my fellow soul rockers. Four score, or like 10 years ago, our fuse forefathers and foremothers brought forth upon New York City a new showcase conceived in community and dedicated to the proposition that all artists are created equal. Now, as we are on the verge of love or war in our cities, a test whether our nation can long endure, we are met here for a great celebration of the band called Fuse, who have given much of their lives that this nation might learn from their example. It is altogether fitting and proper that we should do this. Whether rocking the hallowed ground of the grizzly pear or sidewalk cafe, these brave men and women who have struggled and thrived in the name of art, for whom busy is their best friend, the world must take note, note of what they have done and continue to do. It is for us, the rockers, to be dedicated here to the unfinished work which they have thus far so nobly carried on. It is for us to be here dedicated to the great task remaining before us, to remain devoted to that cause for which the band called Fuse gave the last full measure of devotion for us, that we here highly resolve that these musicians shall not have musicianed in vain, that this nation shall have a new birth of artistic excellence, and that this movement of the Soul Rockers, by the Soul Rockers, for the Soul Rockers, shall not perish from the earth. Thank you. May God bless you. And may God bless the band called Peace. So please, uh, uh, give it up to our good friends, the band called Fuse, our artist spotlight of the week. That's the most uh, news we, that's uh, come out of the White House in about three weeks. Uh, actually, um, well, we have I have another piece of news that's uh, coming out uh, in our uh, <laughs> clip of the week. Ah, can't wait for that. The future. All right. Okay. So what do we got? Yeah. What are we looking at now? News beating the future is, is a little bit more serious, but it's uh, it's looking forward and saying some things that we want to keep an eye on as social justice watchdogs or things that we are noticing happening in the world that we're going to maybe cover later should bring to your attention. And you probably won't hear about unless you're probably like right in the mix inside baseball style. Go ahead. Yeah, I don't know how I follow up the Manny Bur Manny's Burger Dress. I do encourage everybody who listens to the podcast to actually find the video uh, because it's quite <laughs> incredible. Um, I appreciate you. No, but now on to, ser to serious stuff. So if so, the viewers, our outstanding viewers, if they remember from our first installment, we talked about the decriminalization of drugs, uh, of the possession of drugs in Oregon. Well, uh, we have a sort of similar story, uh, story here. If, uh, so in Philadelphia, there's a proposal um, for something called Safe House Injection Site. Which is it's a it's a place where people who are struggling with drug addiction can go in and safely, um, you know, uh, uh, do what they have to do um, and be under supervision to prevent overdoses and to also provide other care and could have including um, you know some social services treatments. Well, this has been this is being litigated right now. So uh, a couple months ago, the 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 safe house injection site actually won their federal court case um, to open, and then it was delayed because of the coronavirus pandemic, and the the u.s attorney for philadelphia in that area filed an appeal um mm. to to try to quash the this the, the safe house site yet again 
Um, so I, I just want people to pay attention to this. They, they had their hearing on November 16th. Um, it's unclear when the, the federal appeals court is going to issue their ruling, but it's definitely something important to pay attention to because this would be the first such site in the United States. There's already a couple in Canada and most of the other safe injection sites are in, uh, I, I think in Europe. Mm. And so just to, so just so you have an idea of what the safe injection sites would do, uh, this one would do it. They would include onsite uh, medically assisted treatment. So that's the safe injections, uh, recovery counseling, education about substance abuse treatment, and also other medical services. And I do want to just direct you to one. There was a study that showed that uh, these safe injection sites are associated with lower overdose mortality. So obviously that's the, that's what they're trying to accomplish here. They're trying to bring down overdoses and that's hugely important now because there's, I think 40 States in the country have um, indicated that overdoses are on the rise since the coronavirus pandemic started. Mm. So yet again, more fallout from the coronavirus. Um, But again, but if you can, please pay attention to the safe injection site. Yeah. Yeah. Pay attention to this federal court case. It, It does the ruling could end up going to the Supreme Court, but you don't know um, what the Biden administration will do if that's what eventually happens. Uh, but it's definitely interesting because it would be the first one in the country uh, to operate. And thank you for that reporting. Like I said, uh, something that if you're not right there in the mix where this is happening, you might not even know is a thing. Uh, not that I didn't know is a thing because I, I knew. I mean, I knew, you know, because I know about the things that are happening, but I didn't just learn about this today. No, come, <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah. No, of course I've been new. Come on, man, we're teaching you too. Uh, but I appreciate look, it. Uh, this is it, it, all jokes aside. Um, they, you know, there is a lot of support for this, even though you're going to have a lot of tough on crime folks saying this is going to, you know, lead to more drug use in the country, as if there isn't a lot already. Uh, yes. But you, there, there wasn't. I now uh, lawyer friends, I don't know how to pronounce this. Amicus brief or amicus brief. I always screw it up. But there was right. one issued in court, and it it's has an M&M support brief. from the, yeah, has support from the American Medical Association, um, right. current and former uh, members of law enforcement, even the mayor of Philadelphia. So mm. there's uh, there's a lot of support for such a uh, uh, injection site. Got it. All right. Interesting case. And and probably has some nuance also. Probably has some, you know. Hey, Manny, I don't know if your mic is on or if I'm just losing internet. Chris, can you hear me? I can hear you, Rashad. Uh, MC, you've been out. Manny, you yeah, haven't, we you haven't heard anything. I, at least I haven't heard anything. Check, check. Are we good? There we go. Check one, two? Yeah. Okay, no, that's weird. Uh, all right. Uh, I Actually, it looks fancy, but I, I fabricated it out of uh, uh, cardboard. So who knows? Yeah, look, uh, I, I moved my entire operation upstairs, so I completely thought I just lost internet, and I was just watching him talk uh, without any sound coming out. <laughs> <laughs> I was blame. Meanwhile, I was blaming you, but yes, thank the, you to Silent Night. The, the internet to the building went out yesterday, so I was like, "What's going on here?" I don't know. Yeah, it could be. Uh, uh, yeah, thank you. I'm just showing Silent Night's comments. Who's on the job? Thank you, sir. Uh, and again, our question of the day was: uh, Should you uh, should the Biden administration? Uh, eliminate all student debt. And once again, thank you for your comments. If you're listening or watching on the replay, uh, do try to catch us live so we can get your two cents in. Uh, Sage Levine said, yes, please. So very uh, concise. Uh, Michael Doggett, once again, yes, but something needs to be done about the system as a whole. Free public colleges should be a goal. And I think that's a goal for many. Uh, It's certainly becoming true already in some uh, locations around uh, the, um, the country and once again sbx55 on twitch hey love those bots hey what's up how was it in uh in spider-man hey it's more like remember <laughs> who this <laughs> so that's it so we will have uh again we ask you to uh, contribute and play along at home thanks to you to uh fanaba Otto. was the last name fanaba Otto. yeah fanaba Otto. Really who joined us. Down the student professor. loan debt crisis for us 
She was great. Uh, it is now time, friends, neighbors, supporters, and haters, for what I called initially when I made the swooshy thing, the quote of the week. But it's turned into the clip of the week. So I may just make it the thing of the week because it could just be a picture of me uh, looking delicious. Uh, I have two. I, I'm not sure if the uh, if the uh, audience has heard these things, but this this one is is pretty. Um, in fact, breaking news. I don't know if you guys saw this. Uh, this just uh, apparently hit. Uh... My fellow Americans, a short time ago, Joe Biden beat me in the election. And not only did he win, he won by a lot, actually. Therefore, it is time for me to step aside. Because let's face it, I wasn't probably on my game and I wasn't doing so well. And, you know, I'm the only president in history to lose the popular vote twice and to get impeached. It's time for a change. Greatest dream in the world is that Joe Biden wins because the winner of this vote was decided by a fair and open election. Therefore, I humbly concede to Joe Biden. The American people have responded. And they said to me, you're fired. Bing, get out. So there you go. Breaking news. You heard it here first. Finally. So last week, he went from changing his name to Joe Biden. Yes. In, in a, a, a last-minute bid. You got to do what you got to do, man. You got to try everything. And now he's just... Now uh, he's undergoing deep reflection. Wow. It's very, uh, very uh, big, uh, big turn of events. I uh, thought that was important. Uh, so you might have seen that. Shouts to uh, Jimmy Fallon, actually. That was from Jimmy Fallon uh, for that. Uh, shouts. I, a lot of people saw it, so but a lot of people maybe haven't. Uh, who knows? Uh, lastly, also, I didn't know which one to choose, so I had two things of the week. Uh, you might have also seen that Kanye West, uh, a presidential candidate, former presidential candidate Kanye West, was on the Joe Rogan uh, podcast. Uh, and it was about three hours long. And so we're going to play you all three hours uh, right now uh, because we're not going to play you three hours. We actually found a supercut that uh, breaks down Kanye West's appearance on the Joe Rogan podcast in about a minute. So here were like the key takeaways from this entire interview, which I think many people found fascinating. Uh, say what you will about either one of those two gentlemen. Uh, fascinating individuals. I think fascinating is a good word uh, when you don't want to say anything mean. Uh, but here's a quick uh, breakdown of the Kanye West Interview on Joe Rogan. Hello, Mr. West. God, God's God, God, Bob, God, 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 M. Night Shalaman, Gap, God, 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 Autistic, uh, God, 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 don't you put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby, God, 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 God. I just said a prayer. God, 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 God. Okay, tell me what I'm saying. God. Ding. <laughs> There you go. That's it. <laughs> Things of the week. In case you wanted to get some insight without listening to the whole interview. Yeah, I appreciate that, man. <laughs> three hours of a podcast on my phone. So there you go. No, now you know. Probably it's worth listening to. You know, you, you know, you got the. <sighs> That's it. That's all I got, y'all. Come on. Haven't <laughs> I done enough? <laughs> I Thank you, gentlemen. This probably there's probably a more substantial platform than the one from uh, uh, the president of the United States in this election. That's in that's true. Just, just go with God. There it is. So thank you, gentlemen. Thank you for your uh, uh, time and uh, for your excellence and for your perspectives and for your brilliance and genius in reporting and doing all the things behind the scenes that we do to make this possible. Thank you to watchers and listeners. Again, we're streaming live uh, with this grand experiment uh, live every Friday, 1 p.m. Eastern. Uh, we will probably be off next Friday for uh, the um, uh, terrible, terrible uh, holiday. Uh, but we're all hopefully going to just be home and not doing nothing. Uh, do nothing with yourselves is what I say. That's what I often say. 
<laughs> less, so, less manism in there. Yeah, yeah. So do nothing with yourselves uh, this uh, this Thanksgiving. We'll be uh, taking that week off, and then we'll be back following. Do keep an eye out for the Newsbeat podcast. Uh, as we alluded to earlier, we do have a fascinating uh, – no, that was the word I use when I don't like something. So the, uh, an incredible episode. Tremendous. It's going to be great. Everyone loves it. They're already talking about it. Uh, great episode of Newsbeat that will be out uh, in very early December uh, in conjunction with – we could tell them, right? Anyone who's – yeah. Color of Change big organization doing big things uh so we have a collaboration with color of change so we're not small time guys even though we probably only have two twitch subscribers we just went on twitch so give us a break yeah, uh subscribe some time i mean you get you get like 15 bots a day so 50 hey listen i'll bots are some of my best friends are bots so please join <laughs> us on facebook live 1 p.m friday youtube live 1 p.m friday twitch uh those are our three channels if you're watching this on a reef play please come and join us live it's a lot of fun uh and if uh, you listen if you're watching head over to the podcast newsbeat wherever you find podcasts and if you're listening on the podcast come on over and check us out we're very handsome and it's really worth your time so thank you any last words gentlemen um yeah happy to the Happy holidays or to the thing that you're going to potentially celebrate that must not be named. That's all right. You could listen. It's a tough time. And you know, it's, it's a tough time this year. It's kind of, it's kind of nutty. Um, so just uh, no matter what you're doing, we wish you well, and we wish you uh, peace, love, uh, unity, and having fun in the name of hip hop. So yeah. uh, thanks for tuning in. Yeah. Yeah. We're back next two weeks from now. All Do right. we have an outro? Why are you calling me out? I know I'm supposed to have an outro. Uh, I don't have an outro. It's just hello, Mr. West. God, 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 Bob, God, 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 God. <laughs> no, we don't have an outro. I'm working on it. I'm busy. I'm making all the. Other... I had to change all the things. All the things had a different sound. Now it sounds <laughs> like I had to do that. Like I got things, man. I'll do the countdown to the outro the way we count down the intro. And we'll see y'all in two weeks. My name is Manny Faces. That's Christopher Tawarski. That's Rashad Mian. And we are Newsbeat, y'all. Peace and love. Thanks to the Mori Creative Studios team that helps us also behind the scenes. Uh, and thanks to you all for watching. We really appreciate that you spend some time out of your life rocking with us. Hit us up at Newsbeat at MoriCreative.com or through the, you know, internets of all the things, DMs and all that jazz. Twitter, US Newsbeat. Instagram, US Newsbeat. Uh, and of course, like I said, Twitch, YouTube, Facebook. We'll be back soon, y'all. Peace. I am Brother Cornell West. This is Chris Hedges. I'm Rosa Clemente. Hey, what's up? This is Chuck D, Public Enemy Prophets of Rage. And this is News.